Well, Merry Pitchmas, you awesome nerds. Welcome to Pitch Slapped, the Pitch Perfect podcast where we just like to talk about everything to do with Pitch Perfect. My name's Kaylee Hillier. And in this episode of the podcast, because it is technically the night before Christmas, we've got to do a little bit of Pitchmas. I'll be looking at some new Pitchmas fix that have come out so far this December. And we'll also be having a special Christmas story just to get us in the mood. But first, let's delve into our actor news. There's so much going on, especially because we didn't do it last week. So let's just kind of hit through everything. First off, Chrissy Fit. The All My Life movie is now available for streaming in the US. It was available from the 23rd of December. It's not currently available anywhere else as far as I know. Definitely not in the UK, so we can't watch it here yet. But that does mean that hopefully it will slowly roll out. Watch this space. It's quite an intriguing movie and it looks quite emotional. So uh, I do want to see it, but I feel like I'm going to have to like prepare myself. So maybe this is like good that it's a little bit later. Also, Skylar Austin is preparing for season two of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. It's going to be airing from January the 5th on NBC. Watch this space. Watch this space, as that can be one of the shows that you start preparing to watch in the new year. Shelley Regner has joined Cameo, which means that you can take part and send her some questions. You can pay to ask her something, receive something in return. So if you have any burning questions for Shelley Regner, maybe Jessly ones, maybe we can get some good Jessly questions out there. That's the place to do it. Hayley Steinfeld is extremely busy at the moment. I don't know how she keeps doing it. It's amazing. Not only did she finally tell the world or confirm to the world that she is going to be in the new Marvel Hawkeye series playing the role of Kate Bishop. Although I feel like we all knew that by now because of all the uh, on-set photos that were coming out. But I do appreciate her actually, like, confirming it by now. We don't have to pretend like it's a secret anymore. But also, season two of Dickinson will be coming out on January the 8th. Another series to get ready to watch in the new year. And so she's just started doing the press for Dickinson season two, which means we're going to get a lot more uh, good press stuff coming out soon. Rebel Wilson was on an episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in the US? It aired on NBC and she's raising money for School of Jude. And looking around, there are, there are a few clips out there you can see. How well do you think she did? Do you think she got far? That's the question. In other news, Anna Camp took part in the holiday special of Creep Show, which is out now on Shudder. And this is their Christmas special. With a bit of a twist. Now, I haven't seen it myself, but Anna Camp was posting a few interesting pictures on her Instagram of her in full, like, cat outfit. And uh, the trailers that she's put up on her Instagram as well do kind of lead to some interesting things. So 
I'm very intrigued. Definitely got like a spooky horror twist to Christmas. And finally, Anna Kendrick. Not only did we get the uh, the Chloe kiss, which I think has just kind of monopolised a lot of our minds for uh, the last two weeks, but after all the hype of the Chloe kiss coming out, like a few days later, her Twitter account was hacked. And I think this was just like... The timing was just like the perfect storm because everybody was so excited about the kiss... They were waiting for a response from some of the actors or actresses. So people were getting the notifications that Anna Kendrick was tweeting. So we all head over to Twitter to check it out. All the notifications are coming in only to discover that her account's been hacked. It was like the biggest high and then like the biggest disappointment at the same time. Luckily, it's pretty much back to normal now. But there was a it was an emotional weekend with all the... It just with everything going on. That's it for our actor news this week. We'll be looking at some Christmas fix that have come out so far this year. There's some great stories being written. But first, I think it's time to kind of just get ourselves in the Christmassy mood. Now, because it is the night before Christmas, and I wanted to do something that just kind of brought a little bit of Christmas spirit. We know everybody's quite busy and Pitchmas is upon us. So I was kind of debating what to do for this episode and a number of people, rightly or wrongly, have messaged me wanting me to read a story. I I was intrigued by this idea. I will preface this by saying that I am a terrible reader and so... You don't want to know how long it took me to do this and the amount of editing that had to go in to create this story. But you know what? I'm I'm one to take up a challenge. So I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. I'll see how this turns out. And I thought Christmas would be a great opportunity because on Christmas Eve, who doesn't want a good Christmassy story? So I hope that you enjoy this. For what we're about to receive... I was very fortunate that the writer Isa Cabral let me read one of their stories. So for Pitchmas, I have got a thick read for you that we can hopefully enjoy and see how it goes. Maybe if this is successful, we can do more in the future. But for now, for your Christmas enjoyment, here is your Christmas thick read. Christmas must be something more by Isa Cabral. Becca was never a gentle person. Maybe because she didn't exactly have the most gentle parents. Maybe because she never really cared about it after she knew what it meant. The point was, she never knew she was capable of being gentle until she met Chloe. Mind you, Becca didn't even know she acted softer and kinder around her best friend-turned-girlfriend, or all gooey and mushy as Jessie, had so kindly dubbed out, until their friends started pointing it out and making fun of her for it. Becca's first reaction was, obviously, to get mad and act all defensive. 
But all it took was a touch or a smile from Chloe and all the fight and spite would leave her body. So maybe their friends sort of had a point. Whatever. It was just proof that she was an actual human being and not a sarcasm fueled hobbit like Aubrey first thought. What she wasn't ready for, however, was how much more softer and kinder a child would make her, and this time there was no denying it. Becca wasn't really one for Christmas, but after four years with the Bellas and seven in a relationship with Chloe, living through several secret Santas, requests for Christmas playlists and mashups, gingerbread cookies, Fat Amy's famous eggnog recipes and all-out house and tree decorations, it kind of grew on her. It was even something to look forward to the end of the year approached. After Emily was born, though, everything just sort of intensified and over the little girl's four years of existence, their little family started developing their own Christmas traditions to add to the ones Becca was already so fond of. The brunette wouldn't be caught dead admitting it, but she loved every single minute of it. She loved the way Emily's face lit up when she saw fairy lights illuminating the house, how the little girl would giggle at the jingly ornaments, and her little tongue would poke out in a true Chloe fashion as she thought about the perfect placement for them on their tree. She especially loved her attempts to sing along to Christmas songs Becca played throughout those activities. This didn't mean, however, that she loved being woken up at the arse crack of dawn on Christmas Day by an overtly excited little girl. There was a loud crashing noise downstairs, followed by a giggled, oops, that had Becca groaning before she even opened her eyes. Bex! She felt Chloe shaking her dead weight, trying to pry her away from her precious sleeping time. Our daughter's awake. Before sunrise, she's your daughter, Chloe, Becca mumbled, trying to grab her wife's warm body and snuggle some more before she went back to sleep. Bex, come on! Chloe's voice sounded amused and way too clear for someone pre-coffee at 5am. You know how she won't go back to sleep now. Wanna wake up to a wrecked house? Becca simply groaned again, still not opening her eyes. Just distract her while I make coffee. Okay, fine, Becca grumbled, finally opening up her eyes. They've been doing this routine for a while now. I'm up. Good. The room was lit up by their bedtime lamp, Enough for Becca to see her wife's soft smile. Don't be long, babe. Chloe gave her a sweet good morning kiss and made her way out of the bedroom. I won't, Becca called out on her backside. And don't forget our matching PJs! Becca couldn't hold on to her grumpy facade of being forced to wear a red and green candy cane onesie when she spotted her daughter sporting the same outfit and Chloe's blinding grin. Mama! the little girl exclaimed. Merry Christmas! She had recently conquered her R's and still made Becca's chest inflate with pride whenever she heard it. 
Merry Christmas, Munchkin, she exclaimed back, as chirpy as she could at this ungodly hour. Santa came! Emily pointed excitedly, looking at the tree in wonder. He did? Becca feigned surprise, picking up the little girl for a snuggle. Whoa, look at all those presents! Yeah! Emily yelled right in Becca's ear, making her wince at the volume. Presents for Emily? Why don't you go check? She put her daughter down and sat on the rug next to the tree, making herself comfortable because she was sure they wouldn't be getting up for a while. Bring them here so we can open them as soon as Mummy is done with breakfast. Mummy, hurry! Emily shrieked as she ran towards the lit-up Christmas tree. Emily, indoor voice! Becca scolded, internally agreeing with her daughter's request for Chloe to join them sooner rather than later. With coffee, and by the smell of it, cinnamon French toasts, yum. By the time Chloe came into the living room, holding a big tray of coffee, hot chocolate, cinnamon French toasts, and gingerbread cookies, Becca and Emily had made small piles of presents, separating which presents belonged to each one of them. Aren't you guys adorable? Chloe praised them, putting the tray next to her and sitting in front of her pile. Em did it, Becca commented, smiling into her mug of coffee. Thank you, Emily. Chloe blew a raspberry on her daughter's cheek before offering some French toasts. And what are those? She gestured, in the not-so-neat pile in front of her. Presents! Emily chirped around her mouthful. Swallow first, speak later, kid. Becca chided gently, after swallowing her own bite of toast. Want to open them? She smiled when Emily just nodded eagerly, her mouth still stuffed with cinnamon goodness. Yes, let's do this! Chloe exclaimed happily, going in to start opening one of her own pile. Sometimes, Becca wondered which one of her girls was the actual four-year-old. Becca couldn't believe she had been sweet-talked into this. Honestly, it was one thing to agree to cutesy matching pyjamas and reindeer antlers that made Emily giggle whenever they jiggled. That was fine. Becca even posed for pictures with the girls. Pictures she was sure would end up online later and wreck her reputation further. It was another thing entirely to agree to having her precious little girl strapped to tiny little death boots with blades on them. Emily, be careful, Becca yelled, for what was surely the thousandth time that morning after seeing the girl do a mad spin and fall flat on her butt. Okay, Mama, Emily yelled back, but took off on another race anyway. Damn Jessie for introducing her daughter to Frozen and making her obsessed with winter and snow and skating on frozen lakes. Damn Stacy even more for picking up on it and giving Emily a full Winter Anna outfit for Christmas, paired with a set of matching purple skates, gloves and earmuffs. Worst of all, though, was probably Chloe, cooing at every single adorable thing and egging Emily to put them on ruining any chance Becca had to say no to this whole nonsense.
She was always a sucker for puppy dog eyes paired up with cute matching outfits. Watching as Emily lost her balance and fell once again, Becca was sure she'd blow an aneurysm before she was even 40. As she rubbed the tension on her forehead, Chloe giggled next to her. You know, she said teasingly, if you would just let me go and be there with her, I think you'd be less stressed. Becca glared at her. Don't you start with me, Beale, she said grumpily, eyes casting down to her wife's barely there baby bump. I'd be three times more worried. Don't you mean four? Chloe winked at her, and Becca felt a huge smile threaten to split her face in two at the reminder that they were having twins. Before she could turn and go back to stressfully watching Emily, she felt something crash against her legs and looked down to see her daughter's red-cheeked face beaming up at her. Hey, kid. She turned her smile to the little brunette. Tired? Emily just nodded and snuggled up against her thighs. Want to go home and watch some movies? Chloe suggested, already bending down to free Emily's feet from her skates. Yes, Emily exclaimed excitedly. Becca held in her groan. This was another thing she hadn't agreed to. Much to Becca's delight, their Christmas movie session got delayed by reheating leftovers from the night before. Thank you, Mama Beale. Baths and nap time, which Becca was most thankful for. But there was no avoiding the inevitable, and that was why she found herself sharing the love seat with Chloe while Emily stretched down on a pile of blankets and pillows on the floor in front of them. Em, be careful with the chocolate, okay? Chloe said from her snuggled position against Becca and she watched as her daughter agreed absent-mindedly, already distracted by the Grinch's antics playing on the TV. They were all back in their matching PJs, and Becca felt Chloe sigh contentedly next to her, as she pulled her phone and started replying to the messages they got throughout the day. She didn't get very far, though, distracted by Chloe watching her instead of the movie. What? Becca asked lowly as to not disturb Emily, eyeing her wife suspiciously. Everything okay? Yeah, Chloe whispered, a content smile on her face. Everything's good. Becca hummed in agreement, still a little suspicious, but she shifted her eyes back to her phone anyway. Chloe, on the other hand, kept looking at her. Bex! Becca stopped what she was doing, berating Jessie and Stacy via text for their presence for Emily, at her wife's soft tone and looked back at her. What? Thank you, Chloe said, with a soft smile, the one that always made Becca blush for no reason. For what, nerd? She was never really good at this being mushy stuff, even with Chloe. For today, Chloe awkwardly shrugged, since they were still pretty close together, just face-to-face now, for being an awesome wife and an even better mum. Becca couldn't resist but leaning in and kissing Chloe firmly on the lips, trying to convey everything she sucked at saying out loud. No, Chloe, Becca said earnestly, 
thank you. Thank you for making me a better person and giving me the greatest family I could have asked for. And if she was getting a little choked up now, well, screw it. I love you. I love you too, Chloe said. The tears Becca was trying so desperately to keep in, flowing freely down her face. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, babe. Becca kissed her on the forehead and turned back to the TV absent-mindedly, stroking her wife's thighs, and she watched Emily react to the movie playing. Becca was never a gentle person, but there was nothing, her wife, daughter, and a little bit of Christmas spirit couldn't get out of her. The end. How was that? Was that okay? Did we survive? Hopefully, I hope you enjoyed it and that it hopefully just brought a little bit of Christmas spirit. We tried to find a good fluffy one to uh, for you to enjoy. And I think with that, let's delve into some fan fiction that you could read this year written for Pitchmas season. I do struggle to get into the mood for Christmas, but one of the things that really kind of help set the tone is a good Christmas story. So you've had me read the fic. What can I say about fics that I have found this year? There's loads being written. I feel like Christmas season especially just lets people's kind of creative juices flow in and around the idea of Christmas or the holiday season. So there's lots out there that you can pick out. I've just drawn out like three or four of the ones that kind of stuck out to me so far some of them are completed stories some of them are one shots some are yet to be completed and there's such a range of different stories in it as well i feel like i was quite astonished at the complete different universes that were being covered and people's ideas and imagination so the first story i wanted to highlight was becca noel by 22 underscore Ty on AO3. The summary says, Noelle Rebecca Kringle is second in line to the Santa throne behind her sister, Fat Amy. What happens when her sister runs off with her Grinch boyfriend, Bumper? And what about when her elf sidekick, Chloe, gets lost in the search for Santa? Can Becca find her sister and convince her to come back to the North Pole in time to save Christmas? And what about Chloe? Becca certainly can't bear to leave the elf behind. As the summary and title would suggest, this is a kind of pitch-perfect crossover with Noelle. Can I just say, this season is the first season I have watched Noelle. We weren't able to watch it last year because it wasn't in the UK. And... As soon as it was out on Disney+, Plus, I was right there watching it. Like, this was the only reason I bought Disney+, Plus was to watch Noelle. And since I've seen it, I have become a little bit obsessed because I feel now that I have to make up for buying Disney+, Plus for this one movie that only now just came out in December. So I am a little bit Noelle-obsessed this year. Which meant that when this story came out, I was like well on it. The fact that somebody had done a Noel pitch perfect crossover got me well too excited. I will admit. <laughs> but all in a good way. And 
I have thoroughly enjoyed the story because I think it takes aspects of Pitch Perfect and even just from the summary, it's such a playful idea on the story, taking little aspects from the Pitch Perfect universe and then also around the Noel universe. And obviously, as the writer kind of indicates in their introduction, they have allowed for some artistic leeway in there. So you have the sort of two familiar universes colliding and then also just a little bit of sprinkle of, of artistic magic making the story work and it is thoroughly enjoyable to read. Number one, whoever thought that it was a good idea to have Fat Amy as Becca's sister and just all of the antics that come because of that and throwing Bumper in there as well. I mean, that is just a whole world mischief right there. I mean, even from the summary, you can just tell that things are just not going to go that right. Things are just going to fall apart. I mean, you just have to throw Fat Amy and Bumper in anywhere and just watch the sparks fly. So I was well excited after reading the summary and just being like, okay, how is this all just going to, how is this all going to work out? And then also just some of the little things that the author does to add that little sprinkle of kind of cute Christmassy feel to the story. One of the things that always makes me laugh when I watch Noelle is they say, oh, my garland all the time. It's like their phrase. And when you read this story, there are little moments when the author does a similar thing. Like there's a point where Becky goes, what the mistletoe? And it was just like, this is so good. You're trying to kind of take a character like Becca, who's kind of dark and standoffish and her personality doesn't necessarily lean into Christmas. So then giving her this role of this Christmas character and finding little ways to have that slip into the way she speaks and the things that she does, which is a really lovely touch. And it just kind of just made me love it even more. It was so much fun. And I think what I enjoy as well is the fact that you know the story if you've watched Noelle. If you haven't watched Noelle by now, I mean, come on, it's Christmas. And it's Anna Kendrick. It's amazing. But because you know the story, you get a whole sense of enjoyment of watching this play out, but also the little differences. So it does take you by surprise and you sort of the pleasant things that happen that you can just totally enjoy. Another touch that I really liked was Stacy's role in the story. Seeing how the authors place the characters in the story and the roles that they play, Stacy was one that I quite enjoyed and I wasn't expecting her in the role that she ended up being. But when it happened, I was so intrigued and kind of sold on the idea. It just worked so well. And you get a really, really interesting take on Chloe with the Noelle twist because Chloe plays almost kind she kind of replaces Polly from the Noel story but in a very different way because obviously it wouldn't really work if it was exactly like that movie so the way in which the author kind of brings these two characters together and the dynamic of what they were at the beginning to where they get to the end is really exciting and just a thoroughly enjoyable story if you wanted something that really takes the Christmas magic and throws it in with Pitch Perfect, this is the story to go for. The next story is called The Twelve Pains of Christmas by Rabidnar. It's available on fanfiction.net. 
The summary says Becca had one job: bring home a Christmas tree. Now there's a satanic ritual happening in the living room. All the power is out, and to top it off, Aubrey will be here in a matter of days. So this is a multi-chapter story, but it is so bizarre. It's amazing. This is definitely one that will make you chuckle. It made me laugh quite a bit, just because each chapter just something goes wrong. The situations that these people get themselves into, I will never know how this all plays out. But it is so good, and I love the fact that the author kind of takes. Moments from Christmas preparations, so you go through the whole idea of like getting the tree and other things that you have to do during Christmas, and just typically looks at what could potentially be the worst case scenario. What would happen if this happened? And so you've got like the domestic feel of the Bella's house. This is in and around the Bella's house, and them preparing for Aubrey to come for the Christmas celebrations. All the preparations of that and everything that could go wrong because of that as well, and just to give you like a little insight, the first chapter is Becca trying to pick a Christmas tree, which should be a simple thing to do, but turns out is not so simple as you would think, and it's a really interesting dynamic between the characters because this is kind of a triple treble story. I want to say. Which means that you know you're going to get a good dose of Becca, Chloe, and Aubrey, and the dynamics that come with the、uh, the banter between Becca and Aubrey, Chloe, sort of between the two of them as the ball of sunshine and just excitable as always, and then of course anything that could go wrong within that as well. I think what's also really interesting is it does play on the kind of people's expectations of what Christmas would be like, and when you've got a house full of girls like the Bellas' house, everybody's going to have different expectations of what Christmas should be. So, for example, in the first chapter about the Christmas tree, Becca gets a fake tree. She gets a fake Christmas tree, thinking, you know what, this will last a long time. Like she's been quite practical about it. And she feels quite proud of her decision, and then clearly, when she gets it into the house, and the reaction of the Bellas, clearly some of them have other ideas, and that a fake Christmas tree isn't necessarily the best way to go. And just hilarity just ensues as you continue watching this play out. The lengths that they go to, to ju- the lengths that they will go to, even if everything goes wrong and trying to get a Christmas tree. That the refusal to use this fake Christmas tree, I do admire the, the determination of some characters in this story to ensure that they have a real Christmas tree. I do feel really sorry for Becca though, because she clearly like spent the time to get this fake Christmas tree, but nobody cares. After reading the first chapter of the story, I was a little bit hooked. Just how bizarre things had ended up, the things that could have gone wrong that had gone wrong. And their determination. I think a lot of people go through this at Christmas when you're just like things, everything goes wrong, and then you're just like, "But we're going to enjoy this anyway, and just make it work." The next story that I have thoroughly enjoyed is called "The Christmas Connection" by Fire Roasted on AO3. The summary says, "In this world, there is a common myth that when December comes, the Christmas spirit comes along." 
and binds your thoughts and feelings to those of your soulmates. All it takes is a glance of a photograph and a dash of luck to go with your fate. The hard part is surviving with someone else in your head until Christmas Day. I will admit, when I saw the summary of this story on AO3, I was already sold. I am a sucker for a soulmate story. If if there was something that would definitely get me to read it, it's the soulmate story. I don't know what it is about them, but I just love reading them. I'm just a little bit obsessed. So I was sold on this idea from the moment I saw the summary of the story. Sort of dove into... Uh, into what this was going to be. And this is going to be a multi-chapter story. So far, there was only one chapter when I'm doing this podcast, but they have said in their notes that they're going to try and get this all done before the end of the year. So there's a good chance that, you know what, you're not going to have to wait long for updates for this story to be concluded. I just love the whole idea of this story. A little bit different from a lot of the soulmate stories that I have read before, where there's like a mark on someone or a name written somewhere. This is the idea that if you both look at a photograph of each other, for some reason you see a photograph of someone and they see a photograph of you at the same time during December, that it binds your thoughts together and your feelings and then you can feel them and talk to them and find your soulmate. But the idea is that you've got to then find them before Christmas Day. So there's like a time limit on this. So then it has this whole bundle of like anxiousness they can't be pining they can't be like thinking about it for too long when you delve into the story it starts off with becca and chloe mainly chloe at the beginning and then we also have got a bit of strawberry in there with aubrey and stacy so you've got two couplings where this is going to happen to and what i really love with this story is especially in the first chapter it outlines this whole idea of fate. And although it starts with Chloe and it kind of goes through Chloe's day and her routine and like she is really Christmas obsessed. If there was anybody, it was going to be Chloe. I mean, even to the point where she's got a bike that she rides around with to get to work and she's got reindeer antlers on the bike and her scrubs are Christmas themed. You know, there's there's a whole thing going on there. She's got Christmas music playing on this bike She's like the epicentre of Christmas almost. And then you've got Becca who just is absolutely not any of those things. And what the author does is it plays off of both of the characters and where they're at at certain times of the day, how their routine is going. And it was really, really fun to read because as they're getting closer, but the moment where they see the photographs of each other or they their eyes glance at the same time, at this photo you're, you're getting excited because you can you know it's coming but you don't know how it's going to happen and the author often kind of plays off with this idea of this fate that's going to happen at this certain time of the day and there's moments when you think oh is it going to happen now no it doesn't happen now you have to wait a little bit more and they're just going about their sort of everyday life and the fact that they're strangers as well coming to this conclusion is really fun and then you had the same thing happening with Stacy and Aubrey as well and, and those two characters. And what I thought was really fun with both couplings is you often have one person in the couple who's more Christmas obsessed and who's been waiting for this myth 
or legend to come in their lives. They've heard people talk about it and they want this Christmas spirit, this Christmas connection to happen. Like it says in the story, Chloe's literally been waiting for years for this moment to come in her life. And then the, the twist is that the person that they've been waiting for has not been waiting for this ever. They've been dreading this moment. They didn't think it was real. They are a complete sort of unbeliever, if you want to say. And so it's a complete twist and they're kind of taken off guard and they now have to navigate with, you know, you've got Becca who's like, is this even real? Are you just a figment of my imagination? Do I have to go to the doctor? And then you've also got Aubrey who's getting really worked up with Stacey. I mean, to be fair... Of all the characters, Stacey, do you really want her thoughts floating into your head? I mean, that's a big question. But I do really enjoy Stacey just learning how to rile Aubrey up. And I can't wait for more of this story to come out because I think it's going to be hilarious. But just knowing that there's a time limit on it and knowing how characters like Becca and Aubrey are going to be more reserved and not want to necessarily share personal information are they going to be able to find each other before Christmas Day? Like, they've got a time limit. This isn't going to last forever. Can they make it? And can they find each other? I'm so tense. I just need to know. I can't wait to see how this story is going to play out. Another story I wanted to share with you is called You Can Hold My Hand If No One's Home by If I Only Had More Paper on AO3. And the summary just says that it is a happiest season AU. That's it. That's all the information you're getting. To be fair, though, I think a lot of people have seen the happiest season since it came out. And I was very intrigued with this story. I know how people have felt about the ending of happiest season and the different opinions around that whole conversation. I was like so intrigued because there's nothing in the summary to really tell you how this story is going to play out and what they're going to do with the characters but all you know is it's going to be some sort of pitch perfect crossover so you delve into it and you have got becca dating aubrey that's right this is is starting off with a mitchson beginning now we are warned because it is happier season the only warnings we're given in the notes is that if you are a big mitchson's fan this might not be for you it starts off with mitchson but the story is going to end apparently with Chloe. I thought this was really interesting because that means then that although it's based on Happiest Season, this is going to have a different ending than what happens in the film. This is a really, really fun take on it because you, you're reading it and if you've seen the movie, you know how the movie plays out. And so there's familiar scenes in there, but they're twisted and there's things that happen that are completely different there's a bit, especially in the beginning, when Becca meets Chloe for the first time. And Chloe's obviously playing the part that Aubrey Plaza played in the movie, the sort of ex-girlfriend. But obviously, because you know this is kind of a Chloe ending, they tell you that there are these different scenes of where Becca and Chloe are getting to know each other and how that's playing out. And there's a whole thing with Instagram with that. I find this story so intriguing. I will admit, like, I like Aubrey as a character. And I will warn you, reading this story, that I've only... There's only three chapters out so far, but I'm excited to see how it plays out. 
But even in these first three chapters, there are little things that are a little bit toxic with Aubrey's relationship with Becca. So I don't want to hate Aubrey, but I think you you kind of get a dis. I got a disliking for her reading this. I think it makes sense for the story and what plays out. But if you're like a if you're a big Aubrey fan, just be warned you might not like her in this story. And it's got that whole sense of trying to do the perfect Christmas, trying to be live up to these expectations. I really did like the way the author had given Becca a more in-depth backstory. And there are little moments when you read where it kind of just delves into how she feels about Christmas and how difficult this time is and her relationship with her family, especially her mum, and why this season was so difficult. It's something that's mentioned in the movie, but they never really talk about it. And so it's really touching to get a little bit of that backstory that this author had created. It just gives me hope or like wishing that because of the pain and the difficulty this season is from Becca's past that it will end up in a good way, but obviously it's going to get worse before it gets better. I am really excited to see how this is going to turn out. I'm already really sold and there's only three chapters and I just, I can't wait. And finally, when I was putting together this podcast and I was like, man, this is going to be on the night before Christmas. Wouldn't it be amazing if there was an actual version of the night before Christmas written, but with Pitch Perfect, the night before Pitchmas? Well, as coincidence would happen somebody actually made one that very same day and posted it on tumblr and it was just like all the stars aligned it was fantastic and they actually recorded it as well so i reached out to the author they are called ridiculously over obsessed on tumblr and we're very very fortunate to be able to play their version of the night before pitchmas it was the night before christmas when all through bella house when a creature was stirring, not even a tiny mouse, the stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Pitchmas soon would be there. The Bellas were nestled or snug in their beds, while visions of ICCA champions danced in their heads, and the captains in their kerchiefs, and I in my cap, had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, expecting to see Fatemi returning with a crash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below, when what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Pitch. More rapid than eagles his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop the courses they flew, with the sleigh full of toys and St. Pitchmas too. And then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pouring of each little hoof, as I drew in my head and was turning around. Down the chimney St. Pitchmas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, 
and a pitch pipe hung from a chain on his sack. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. But he spoke not a word as he went about his work, and filled all the stockings, his lips in a smirk. Upon close inspection of the presents that were left, I found that Nobella would be left bereft. For Aubrey, books on the a cappella skills she hones. For Becca, a shiny new pair of headphones. Gymnastic lessons from an expert for flow. For Chloe, over a dozen sticks that glow. Stacy gets a chemistry kit and cream for cuticle care. Lily gets knives not marred by wear and tear. A pride flag and Rihanna tickets for Cynthia Rose. Emily gets tickets to all the hottest Broadway shows. For Amy, some advice on not always acting so rashly. And name tags to tell apart Jessica and Ashley. Laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a job. A nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away the elf flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight, Merry Pitchmas to all, and to all a good night. That's it from me for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode, especially our random thick read, and that it, it just got you into the Pitchmas mood. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, we are on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. You can find us on Pitch Slapped or Pitch Slapped Pod. Have a wonderful Pitchmas and I'll see you next time.